This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to Payne.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of watching and analyzing this panel discussion at the World Economic Forum on the metaverse. And here we have uh, a woman on the panel. When you hear her voice, she works for a company that develops these virtual reality, augmented reality headsets. You have a gentleman representing... uh, Meta, which is Facebook. You have a gentleman representing the United Arab Emirates government. And then you have a gentleman who um, created Second Life, one of the first interactive metaverses. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump right back into this. And um, right now, the question that came up is about this interoperable system. Will Facebook building their own metaverse cooperate with, say, the gentleman on the stage who created Second Life? And so will those work together? Can you jump between the two worlds? Can you share your avatar? Can you carry your Just Say No t-shirt you bought for your avatar from one world to the next? And we talked about that before. Now he will explain that from a technocrat's standpoint. So first of all, I hope it's interoperable. We want it to be interoperable. We, if you think about the hyperlink just as a really brutalist, simple metaphor for the structure of portability that made the original internet work was I could click on a blue word and you will go from one service to another service. That was the structure that enabled Google, that enabled sort of the first generation of web services to build utility, was we had some agreement on what the primitives were of the internet. The primitives in the metaverse are gonna be more complicated because travel, the equivalent of a hyperlink in the metaverse is I can go from Second Life into Um, into a work meeting, and then I can go from there into an educational experience where I'm visiting the Coliseum. And then I can turn it all off, maybe, and be in an AR experience where I can just pull my messages up or I can uh, translate the person who's speaking a different language next to me. These are the kinds of things that I think we're all envisioning. You want them all to be interconnected because from a user experience, that's just going to be a better experience. The first thing you want to do when you're in a Beat Saber, which is one of our most popular applications, if you're playing with your friend, is leave and go somewhere else. Um, not leave because it's a bad experience, but leave because you, you get bored and you want to you do something after it. The industry as a, as, a, as a coalition is spending a lot of time starting to talk about standards. What are the standards for an avatar? What are the standards for travel between one space and the next? What are the standards around privacy, uh, around encryption, 
around how things like report buttons will work. The report button is the key element to help somebody in an unsafe situation flag something about it. And how we manage those experiences as an industry are gonna be some of the most important questions on how we build something that's safe, uh, but also that provides lots of opportunity for developers. Okay, let's pause for one second. First, you heard him talking about the uh, interoperable system, right? This idea that you're going to be, and the takeaway from this, again, this is someone right out of Facebook, one of the most powerful companies developing this, who works with the government constantly. And so you hear him talking about jumping from one metaverse world to another metaverse world, going from whatever second life into meta, into one of their games, and then switching to augmented reality, where now you're walking around supposedly in this natural world, but seeing augmented, intelligent, digital things popping up in front of your face. And so that's the vision they have. That's what I've been explaining to you. It's a world in which you're either living in the in the natural world, which will be fake and controlled in a prison planet. You'll be walking around in these smart cities, effectively a smart planet. Meanwhile, when you get bored of that or you hate it because they've destroyed it, you click on your VR and you go inside of the metaverse, but then you'll be able to sense things, smell things, touch things, feel things, um, taste things, right? So he's telling you right there what the goal is. The second part is you heard him say, as far as interoperable goes, that these guys, these technocrats are already working together. They're already developing standards for, yeah, okay, privacy and all this nonsense. Give me a break. But they're talking about how to share avatars across the platform. All these tech companies are now coming together and they're going to build a centralized world with centralized standards and essentially a one world governmental structure that will govern this synthetic planet that these psychopaths are building. Let's continue. Philip, you've been at this for a long time. You think it's possible, all of these issues? Meaning that you can actually create an interoperable world that I can be in uh, one, per, one, one world and maybe I've even bought um, you know, a digital pair of Air Jordans and I can still wear them to the next place and then I can uh, have my, uh, you know, my, 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 um, my, yacht, my, my yacht club monkey. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can I? Is, is all of this? Like, I you can, bought a yacht in the metaverse? No, I didn't buy. <laughs> am I going to be able to? But I think this is the real question, which is how interoperable these things ever can really be. Well, I certainly think, from a technical perspective, we can do everything here. You know, I mean, between the you know the the various technology companies that are working on this now at such scale, we we definitely can make anything we want technically happen. I think. Okay, so just that's a huge takeaway. He is saying with all the technology companies currently working on this, they can technically make everything happen, everything work from a technical standpoint. So just take that away with you. And remember, these companies also work in cooperation with our government and other governments around the world. So they're admitting they can build anything they want, which 
to be honest with you, I know there's people that doubt this, but I personally believe after everything I've read and researched, and if I ever change my mind, I will share it with you. It is my opinion that they can build almost anything that they discuss and that we have talked about on this program. I wouldn't bring it to you if I didn't think that it was real and I didn't believe that they could develop this stuff. So I do believe they can do all of this. The question is, uh, and if, if you're asking, you know, can we have a form of interoperability, say an identity uh, and, and, and moderation that is a stable, uh, positive environment, I think that's certainly true. And an interesting fact about Second Life, though it's not experienced on headsets, it's experienced on screens, but an interesting fact about it is that it stands out as a remarkably positive experience overall for the people that are there. So strangely enough, and I, and I, I don't want to brag and say we anticipated this ahead of time, but the the experience that people actually do have in Second Life for the people that are there, which is a smaller group than the whole world, but you know it's a million people, is remarkably positive. People get along. Um, they make new friends. They overcome uh, you know, divisive boundaries. So it's intriguing to note that technology is kind of neutral, but right now we're, we're appropriately concerned with some of the negative impacts it's had. But I think the metaverse experience and the particular experience of bringing people together with the right shared rules, the right, like, the right basic, basic rules about how they can interact does have the potential of uh, bringing us all together worldwide in the way that we're doing it right here. Right. Hey. Okay, okay, do you hear that? So now it becomes this governmental uh, bodies that are now going to regulate and govern what happens inside of this fake synthetic dream world that they're building. And so that's already where they're going with this. And folks, if they plug you into the system and you live inside of this metaverse, locked inside of your smart pod prison cell, strapped to your recliner chair with a headset over your head and then anytime you disconnect from a virtual world from the metaverse you're connected to the prison planet wearing your augmented uh, reality contact lenses or having your neurochip brain in your head guess what you are you are not a threat to any of these people that are building this dystopian authoritarian future that's what you are. You are not a threat to them. And so they keep you plugged into the matrix. They will extract your energy. They will store data on your DNA. And you will not be a threat to them because you will be living inside of a cyber world. Let's continue. Peggy, do you think we'll all be, do you think the World Economic Forum will live in the metaverse? Do you think we'll actually travel here a decade from now? What, what, and by the way, what is the, just give us even a time from a technological perspective a timeline for which this conversation, which seems, seems somewhat theoretical to people, is actually a reality? So a couple things. I do think we will replace some amount of travel with 3D meetings because, you know, pre-pandemic, I would get on a plane and fly cross country for a two-hour meeting and then back again. And looking back at that now, it's like, why did we do that? Because we've proven we can do meetings. Okay. Um, but, I, you know, the... The issues that you would have really truly replacing a physical meeting is you want that, that empathy that you feel when you're sitting next to someone, you see their, their body movements, their, their gestures, their eye movements. Much of that can be done in a 3D meeting. So when we put devices, in fact, we use this a lot, my management team during COVID, we would wear the devices and call each other and I would have a meeting, all my team would be there in, in, in my living room. 
And they were depicted, though, as generic avatars because you need to have cameras on you if you're going to depict Andrew Ross Sorkin. You're going to need to have a bunch of cameras on you so we can capture you in 3D. Well, we didn't have that. Well, and eventually it'll just be your mind twin, as we showed with Artificial Intelligence Foundation's work uh, run by Lars Butler, backed by Peter Thiel, connected to the CIA. But we did know where people's eyes were. We have four cameras on our device looking at your eyes so that we know where to place the digital content. Right. But I then could see if you were looking at me, I could see that. And there's, there's a feeling you get when someone's looking at you, even in this augmented world. And if you walked around my living room and behind me, I could hear you. The spatial audio is awesome. And, and there's, there's just an empathy that you get in a 3D meeting that isn't possible right now in our 2D video conferencing. So I Okay, so she talked about her headset, which has four cameras in it, watching your eyes to be able to spatially place the objects in front of you and then track your eyes to then relay those eyes to your avatar in the space. Do you see this? Remember, she opened up, folks, by saying she didn't like the term metaverse because it had such a dystopian feel to it. And then she's talking about a headset you're wearing with cameras tracking your eyes and placing you inside of a digital meeting. Uh, you know, come on, folks. This is crazy stuff, but these psychopaths are building it. I think a fair amount of those meetings can be replaced. Yes, you're a governor. Okay, so she's talking about replacing meetings with these metaverse meetings, something way more advanced than jumping on, say, Skype or Zoom to have a video conference or getting on FaceTime with your mother or father or whatever. And so you hear them talking about this. I think you're getting a flavor for it. This is real. These are the thought leaders in this industry sitting on the stage talking about what they have and where they are going with it. Ladies and gentlemen, where am I going with it? I'm going to take a short break, and I will be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, we are in the middle of this World Economic Forum panel discussion on the metaverse. And so now we are about to get into governance from a government standpoint so how are the governments going to regulate this new synthetic world you know i was just thinking about being in a 3d sort of metaverse meeting and having my 3d printer sitting next to me i'll have these big goggles on my head these giant goggles and i'll be leaning over picking up 3d printed cookies from my printer next to me and eating them while inside the metaverse my boss uh, maybe it's mike moore sitting across from me at the table maybe it's not developed yet so it'd be an avatar of him looking at me and he throws me digital tokens into my 
uh, government-issued central bank digital currency wallet. And in the digital tokens, I can buy myself during the meeting. I can have my uh, digital maid bring out a plant-based uh, beef stew or something, and I could be eating the beef stew inside of the metaverse, and I'd be tasting that with my sensory mouth plug that they have inside me. I could smell it with the plugs up inside my nose, but in real life, I'm eating 3D printed plastic cookies made from cricket droppings, and so I'm eating those while I'm eating the stew, and then I get this weird taste of this plant-based stew coming from the digital world, but hitting me with the mouth sensory device I have in, mixing with the 3D printed plastic cricket cookies and so i've got a bad taste in my mouth for this whole entire metaverse if you know what i'm saying <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen let's get back to this video this question please uh you know the internet is somewhat borderless but um is defined by regulations in very in, in in every country it gets more complicated i think in the metaverse in that really if it works the way it's supposed to work it should be a borderless world and I could be in New York, and you could be in the UAE, and uh, Philip could be in Hong Kong. And, um, and the question is, whose rules are supposed to apply? You know, Chris mentioned this, this tragic shooting that just happened yesterday. And I was thinking, actually, of a fascinating, uh, and I think actually very scary situation, which was two weeks ago up in Buffalo, New York. There was a shooting uh, that was taken uh, live on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Twitch, um, and then taken down. And a lot of the other social media companies took it down uh, around the country in the United States. Yet there's a law in Texas, interestingly, uh, that's supposed to be about uh, free speech and censorship that says you actually have to leave it up. You'd actually have to leave up the video of the shooting, which is extraordinary. And so I imagine there's going to be different rules in different countries, in different states, and how you as somebody who's a, 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 a government actor thinks about that in this new world. I'm not going to comment on the host sidebar because I could speak for an hour about that. So let's continue. Absolutely. So there are different types of risks that we need to pay attention to. There are risks that need to be enforced by government, let's say, financial transactions that happen in the real world for goods that you buy in the metaverse. Like you mentioned, the Air Jordans or the, the monkey yacht that you talked about. or board, the board ape. Board I call ape. them monkeys, but that, that's an insult to the board, board apes. <laughs> So, so if you actually pay money for that and you don't get it in the metaverse, someone needs to enforce that action, right? So that's one type of issue that governments need to talk about and, and in some way, shape or form come to an agreement of how that's going to be enforced. Then they right, right. If, the, if you get ripped off in the metaverse, don't worry. The governments will be there to protect you. That is the more extreme aspect, which is terrorism, really terrorizing people on the metaverse. Because the difference is, if I send you a text on WhatsApp, it's text, right? It might terrorize you, but to a certain degree, it will not create the memories that you uh, will have PTSD from it. But if I come into the metaverse, and it's a realistic world that we're talking about maybe in the future, and I actually murder you, and you see it, it actually takes you to a certain extreme where you need to enforce it aggressively across the world, because everyone agrees that certain things are unacceptable. There needs to be a conversation today at the level of the United Nations or the ITU or these uh, non-governmental bodies where a certain standard is set. That standard is set on the internet to a large extent, where everyone agrees that the content on the internet is actually content that, for example, dark web content is illegal in many countries. Content that is not part of the dark web, that has not, nothing to do with drug trafficking, you know, uh, child pornography, etc., is acceptable. And we're able to use this common platform. 
I also think that there needs to be passporting between the different platforms or the different layers of... Right, so what he was talking about is a one-world government inside of the metaverse. You see where this is going, right? Because also, you'll also be in the supposed natural world with your augmented reality glasses on, seeing what they call intelligent digital content popping up in front of you. So now there will have to be a governing world body, you know, the United Nations or, I don't know, maybe the World Economic Forum. And so they will set the worldwide standards. Not that this stuff, if it happens, should not be regulated uh, I guess, like murdering someone inside the video game, which I don't know, because all these people build video games where you murder people constantly. But what you're seeing is they are already creating the problem and provoking the reaction on this. And the reaction is we want it to be governed. And then the solution will be give us more power over your life, over your mind. See, it's, it's already being set up right here in real time. The metaverse so if meta develops something and magic leap develops another their, you know their own platform rather than the hardware and actual software that you live on there has to be some sort of interoperability between them and the person needs to be able to choose the content that they go between because what we've, we've seen today is there are a few things content is king why will you go to the metaverse i think meeting on the metaverse is good but i actually know nine out of ten people that to say we prefer to meet face to face covid is an issue they're worried about it but actually sitting and seeing people's body language, interacting with them, today is preferential. Why people want to go to the metaverse is because they're able to access content that they've never seen before, experience new experiences, play new games with people on a, on a larger scale. And it is important for us to have this conversation today and build at least the ground rules and work our way up. Okay, so I just want to say there when he was talking about people experiencing new experiences. So that is like, for instance, if you don't live near a beach, I gave the beach example with my wife yesterday on the show. So you don't live near a beach. So that's how they're going to bait you in that there are just like the internet, just like YouTube videos, people that sit on Facebook all day and look at memes is you get addicted to the content. And that's how they're going to addict you to the metaverse, because they're going to say, why go on? Why save up? Why save up? money to go on a vacation and then you'll really appreciate the vacation because it took you two years to save up to be able to afford to go on that vacation no what they're saying is instant gratification you'll strap on the headset and walk down the beach you never have to go to the beach and like i said this is how they're going to take away all real life experiences from people because they are going to take your liberty take your free will in trade for perceived convenience. That is how they're going to do it, an instant gratification. Do you, think that's, you, you do business all over the world, Chris. Yes, that's right. Uh, obviously. Yeah. And you're dealing with different laws and different mm. regulations in many different places. Is this doable? And is, is the UN going to be the, uh, the arbiter of how this is going to, in a, uh, what we call it the splinter net and, and, and deglobalization, is, is there a governing body that can actually make this work? There certainly are. If you, look at, um, if you look at child exploitation, if you look at terrorism, there are international organizations. Some of them are... Hey, let me just pause. He said deglobalization. This is not deglobalization. This is mass globalization. They're creating a centralized cyber world that you're going to plug into, and everyone from around the world is going to plug into it. And so that's that's massive centralized globalization not deglobalization or decentralization in any way whatsoever associated with the un some aren't you want international standards 
um, especially for things that are across, especially cross-border, like terrorist content. We already are in the situation where we're operating in Thailand, where there's laws against, uh, you know, lay majesty, and we're operating in Turkey, where there's laws against uh, defaming Ataturk. You know, we're already managing, as are most internet companies, the reality that you want companies to have their own community standards to define their own rules, obviously out in conversation right. with the industry. And let me just tell you, I met someone personally, I don't think I'll ever be able to get him on the show, younger than me, actually, who works in Germany uh, for Amazon, and he is the government liaison, uh, I mean, he is the Amazon liaison to the German government. And he works hand-in-hand hand with them every single day, implementing all of Germany's laws so that Amazon can comply with uh, what the German laws are. So you, as you can see, extension, massive extension of this public-private partnership. It's the governments and these corporations working hand-in-hand hand together and these tech companies enforcing the laws in the digital space of these governments. Again, the governments are actually more powerful than the companies, although we're led to believe that the companies own the governments through lobbying and through money. At the end of the day, the government has a standing army. The government has police. The government has a national guard. They can go and raid and shut down these companies and take all of their assets, shut down their technology literally overnight with very little repercussions. You could say they could take it up in court and get to the Supreme Court, right? The government can literally crush and destroy any company that it wants at any time. The company cannot necessarily do that, okay? Now, the fact that these companies are embedded inside of the government with their technologies running databases and stuff as Peter Thiel with Palantir does, could they flip a switch and shut down parts of the government? Yeah, but they would be met with the military knocking on their door but also to recognize that that exists in tension with national laws, and in some cases, as we're beginning to see, state laws. There's tensions on both sides. I think the most important thing to say is, much like the internet, in the metaverse, you're gonna have services, uh, service companies operating different systems with different rules. Some are gonna be way more open-ended. Some are gonna be rated R. You know, some are gonna be PG, and some of them are gonna have sort of more or less um, strictures. Uh, around safety and integrity. There will probably be something like a rating system, which we have for film, we have for music, we have for other types of content so that a parent um, or a young person can have some sense of what the rules are in their environment they're gonna walk into. Um, just like if you walk into a bar versus a, a playground, there's a different expectation of what rules govern that, that place. Some of them are social norms. Some of them are enforced by um, people who run those institutions. The person who's running the restaurant feels responsible for the behavior of the people who are inside in some way, shape, or form. So those are some of the things I think we're gonna play out. I think some are gonna be um, similar to versions on the internet today, um, but to some of the points that were made, it's gonna be a much more synchronous experience. So it's not all gonna be written down in text. Um, there aren't gonna be probably nearly as much data associated with a communication because it's gonna be happening over audio. Um, it's going to be happening in real time. Um, and for all those reasons, I agree completely. There's going to be a new set of problems as well as opportunities we need to think about and hopefully as an industry. Well, 
And remember, folks, eventually there won't even be audio because as you've heard Elon Musk say, as you saw through the Internet of Senses piece we reviewed yesterday, eventually you will just think your thoughts and they will beam into the head of the other people. So basically you would have these five psychopaths sitting up on a stage and just sitting there with their mouths closed in the metaverse and the thoughts that they had would be beaming directly into your head i can't wait for those days to be honest when i could just sit here staring into the camera and beaming my thoughts out to all of you because it would save my voice folks i wouldn't have to drink so much tea with lemon and honey i would just be able to beam my thoughts directly into your mind and if you wanted to taste the food that i was thinking about i could be thinking about a bowl of hazelnuts right now and you would taste them i could be thinking about a dry aged porterhouse ribeye and boom a dry aged porterhouse steak or a dry aged tomahawk ribeye and boom you would taste that folks that's what these guys are talking about taking away all of the human experiences stripping away everything that makes us human taking away the struggles that we have that helps us become stronger they want to destroy all of that because the ultimate goal is to end humanity and replace it with whatever type of cyborg robot artificial intelligence that these creeps want i always ask myself when they sit up on this stage these people that have made millions if not billions of dollars how did they end up like this why do they hate humanity so much ladies and gentlemen i want you to think about that until tomorrow's show when we finish this world economic forum conference and i explain a little bit more about the metaverse to you so you can walk away with a full understanding of the internet of everything and the metaverse but think about this why do these people hate humanity so much what happened to them as children what kind of trauma did they go through how could you walk around all day being paid millions of dollars and just hate humanity hate the earth hate everything around you you have to be the most self-centered sociopathic narcissistic psychopath to want to do this to want to strip humans of the natural world strip humans of their thoughts their memories experiences stop them from being able to flow freely around and experience things for themselves take away their walks on the beach or their hikes up in the mountains and put them inside of a synthetic cyber world that they are building and if you dare escape the cyber world you will be stuck inside of their fake sensory prison planet that they are trying to build around us everything tracked everything traced everything controlled by the masters of the universe by the social engineering class by the prison planet wardens by these hackers these pirates these hijackers these criminals these thieves and these gutter snipes as mike would say over at the thomas Paine podcast think about it
Think about it, folks. Why does Peter Thiel hate us so much? Why does Elon Musk hate you so much? Why do they play us like fools? Why do they pretend to be afraid of the very artificial intelligence, the anti-human transhumanism that they're developing? And at the same time, they're developing it as they warn us. And I'll show you some examples of some more of these freaks who sit there and say, artificial intelligence could destroy humanity. Oh, here's my project, building artificial intelligence to destroy humanity humanity these people are absolutely crazy but the sad part is they are in control they are the masters of this universe of this planet that we happen to be on in a place where we want to live naturally where we want freedom and we want liberty and they don't care about the constitution they don't care about any of this perceived civil rights no they don't care about your freedom. They don't care about your liberty. They want to crush it. They want to destroy it. And they want to handcuff you by your brain with a giant brain cuff, a neurochip link in your head, and an augmented reality headset strapped over your eyes so that you could pop in and out of their synthetic prison. Ladies and gentlemen, think about that. Tonight, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. Have great dreams, folks. Seriously, don't be afraid of this. We'll figure out how to overcome this together. You're listening to pain.tv slash gold. Thank you all. I love you. Have a great evening. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.